Welcome to The Drive with Josh Downs, a faith-based coaching podcast where I'll share weekly thoughts, principles, insights, and more, all designed to help you build a better self, to better love yourself, so that you can better become all you were meant to be. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another week of The Drive podcast. I'm Josh Downs. Today's episode is episode 510, The Family That Eats Together. (laughs) This is kind of an interesting one, kind of a fun one. I'm excited about you know, in, in doing a lot of these things, one of the reasons I really do them is because I learned so much in the process of putting them together and doing them. And I often, as I'm searching for topics, come across things that I'm like, oh, that's something I could work on or, oh, that's something I could get better at. So please don't mistake that I am putting these things out, out there as the expert <laughs> of any of it. I really am probably just the one that needs it the most. And this one is one of those for me. I've talked a lot about recently about the significance of connection. And there are people in my life that would agree that uh, I'm good at that, and there are others that would agree that I'm terrible at it. And I probably lean more to the latter just because of some of the things that I've been through. It's been very easy for me to close up my heart and to keep from connecting on a deeper level with some. And it's something that I'm working on and trying to improve on and get better at. And it's going to take me some time to, to do that. But I still understand the significance of connection. And I've talked a little bit about the Redwoods. That's just been one of those kind of pivotal landmark um, recognition type experiences and moments that I've had and principles that have kind of helped me to see the, the value of connection where these ginormous trees, biggest trees in the world, are able to stand the way that they do and survive as long as they have. All the storms, all the challenges, whatever's come their way because of the way that they are connected to other trees. It's the roots that connect to one another that holds them up and keeps them strong. A very unique root system. And and I remember George Washington Carver, I I think it it was, that said that the nature is is basically God's way of communicating to us. It's it's kind of like a radio station where God is broadcasting to us every second of every day if we'll just have the ears to hear it. And I think I love looking for those kinds of lessons. And, And I saw that when I learned about the Redwoods. But what I didn't see until just recently, as I think I mentioned, is that that connection, in order for it to happen, takes place at a much deeper level than what we see, Um, that it takes place beneath the surface. And I think that's significant. I'm learning because we live in a world where connection is very superficial. It's very much above the surface, right? Any of us can go and look at the number of Facebook friends that we have or Instagram um, followers, whatever. And uh, it may seem like that we have a lot, but how many of those do we really connect with on a, a deeper level? We don't. And a lot of the problems I think that are existing and, and, and growing in the world today are because of a lack of depth in the connections that are in our lives. And it reminds me of something that T.S. Elliot said from The Rock in 1934, which I've heard quoted multiple times in in multiple ways, but he said, all our knowledge brings us near to our ignorance. (laughs) All our ignorance brings us near to death, but nearness to death, no near to God. Where is the life we've lost in living? Boy, isn't that a profound thought and question? Where is the wisdom that we've lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge that we have lost in in information. The cycles of heaven in 20 centuries bring us farther from God and near to the dust. It's 
a very profound way of looking at life because we are growing so much more knowledgeable, yet we're losing wisdom and so much information that it's getting harder to gain knowledge. And in many ways, what I hear in those thoughts is that what we're really losing is connection. Connection with ourselves, connections with others, and of course, connection with God. We have never had more ways to connect, yet we are less connected than we've ever been. And and so as I was thinking and kind of pondering on that this week, I came across a few things that caused me to consider, okay, how do we get some of that connection back? And one of those happens to be something that every single one of us has access to that is in our homes that we can look at and turn to to help us bridge some of those gaps. I talk with parents all the time about how can I connect better with my kids? I feel like we're really struggling to have that connection. Well, I want to I want to propose one thing that I think is very simple that all of us could do and I'm sure that all of us could do better to help us to have greater connections with those that really matter most in our lives. Not just family, but also friends, neighbors, and other relatives. I remember a phrase that I came across a long time ago that simply says, the family that eats together stays together. <laughs> and I've always loved that. And I think that's very true. I, when I look back at some of my most fondest experiences with my family, there almost always is food involved. Have you not, have you, can you notice that and see that as well? Isn't there always some element of eating that is involved, whether it's in holidays or birthdays or some kind of events, even going to Disneyland? I mean, one of the things that my family and I talk about the most from some of our experiences in going there is the food and the things that we get, the Star Wars drinks and and food. And there's just something about eating together that is bonding and helps to bridge the gap when there's lack of connection. In an article that I came across in studying for this episode, one Christian pastor wrote this as a solution to, again, the lack of real connection through technology today and how to create connections better beneath the surface by utilizing that item that is in all of our homes better, the kitchen table. (laughs) He said, I'm convinced that one of the most spiritual and important disciplines for us to recover in the kind of world in which we live is the discipline of table fellowship, is what he calls it. In the fast-paced, tech-saturated, attention-deficit-disordered culture, boy, doesn't, doesn't that just describe our generation, in which we find ourselves, Christians need to recover the art of a slow meal around a table with people that we care about. Table fellowship doesn't often make the list of the classical spiritual disciplines, but in the midst of a world that is increasingly seems to have lost its way with regard to matters of both food and the soul, Christian spirituality has something important to say about the way that sharing tables nourishes us both physically and spiritually. We need a recovery of the spiritual significance of what we eat, where we eat, and with whom we eat. Isn't it interesting in that context that the night before the most difficult experiences of both the Savior's life and probably his apostles, that the Savior chose to spend several of those final moments together at a table in what has come to be known as the Last Supper. This uh, particular article goes on to say that tables are one of the most important places of human connection, that we're often most fully alive to life when sharing a meal around a table. We shouldn't be surprised then that to find that 
Throughout the Bible, God has a way of showing up at tables. In fact, it's worth noting that at the center of the spiritual lives of God's people in both the Old and New Testaments, we find a table. The table of Passover and the table of communion. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright captured something of this sentiment when he wrote, When Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory, he gave them a meal. (laughs) And I'm beginning uh, increasingly to be convinced that food is one of God's love languages. (laughs) I know it certainly is mine. And and really, when you stop and think about it, the average human has uh, about, what, 10,000 taste buds? And the only explanation that I can possibly conceive for why this would be is that God just simply loves us, that he really loves us. I mean, after all, it didn't have to be that way. God did not have to make us capable of experiencing such delight from food. We, he could have made the, us the sort of, of, of creatures for whom food was just merely fuel. Our 10,000 taste buds are really a display of, of grace and an expression of his love. And thus the table becomes a place to remember the blessing of God. One ancient prayer in in the scriptures, based on an even more ancient Hebrew prayer, says, Blessed are you, O Lord God, King of the universe, for you give us food to sustain our lives and make our hearts glad. I know that that's certainly been my experience with food. In fact, just the other night I had the opportunity to go watch uh, the, the final two episodes of The Chosen, season three, with some of my family. And, per usual, Uh, That experience included food. It included a meal. And in this particular case, it was my brother-in-law, Jace, who ended up cooking homemade pizzas from his pizza fire kiln in the backyard. And I got to tell you, these things are incredible. They are simply (laughs) amazing. Um, I could not help myself. I lost track of how many slices I ate, and it kind of became a joke. And, you know, I started to get kind of, of, well, full at one point, but then Jace decided to... Uh, start making barbecued chicken pizzas, which was, I mean, that was the nail in the coffin. I couldn't help myself at that point. And uh, and I outdid probably anyone else there by two or three times. I loved that, that pizza. I mean, simply put, it made my heart glad and added to the overall experience that we shared together as a family. The table is the place where, as this pastor wrote, broken sinners find connection and belonging. Despite our best intentions, we all, like Peter, stumble after trying to follow Jesus. We desperately need people who will journey with us in our stumbling. And so, as he points out, we need to recover table fellowship as a spiritual discipline in order to strengthen the bonds of spiritual friendship among believers who are walking together on the road of discipleship. And he says that I'm convinced that our dinner tables have the potential to be the most missional places in all of our lives. Perhaps before we invite people to Jesus or invite them to church, we should invite them to dinner. (laughs) Isn't that just a a great thought? Now, listen to some of the the science behind this, because I think this is also insightful and might help motivate each of us to make the, the dinner table, the kitchen table, a little bit more of a sacred place and opportunity for those connections to happen. Studies show that roughly 20% of American meals are eaten in the car. (laughs) Isn't that just sad? But yet, as you look back on your life, I think all of us can can agree like, oh, yeah, that's probably very true. 20% in the car. And that doesn't include how many of our meals are eaten on the couch or in bed. If you think about the state of the dinner table with those kinds of statistics, it's pretty clear that reclaiming and a reinvigoration is timely and very important. 
And if you're like me and, and just are starting to think that human connection is absolutely critical and necessary in our world today, especially for human evolution, for our growth and development, then the dinner table does it better than almost any other place. Now, I, I think I would agree with this as well, that American dinner tables generally collect mail and aren't necessarily utilized as a place for human connection. We're, we've lost sight of what the purpose of that table is really for. The meal serves the purpose of being a kind of magnet. It, it's a necessity to eat dinner, right? We all have to. And it's kind of a little bit like a watering hole in the savanna where we can take advantage of the fact that people are drawn towards dinner and the table. We just need it. And then we can deepen that experience into something that's transformative. And there are so many benefits that have been shown for when a family makes it a priority to gather together to have simply dinner around a dinner table. It's a place that becomes very cozy where we can be close to each other. It's a place where we can have a captive audience where we're most likely to listen to one another um, and have opportunities to share experiences and even teach a little bit. It can become a workstation as well where we can gather together. In my particular house, you'll see all kinds of crafts and projects around the, the, the dinner table as well, which we have to move when we have dinner, but it's just a great place for us to gather, to connect, to work, and to enjoy time together and to also unplug. But one of the things I recognized is that the close proximity of a television can all often counteract the benefits that would be associated with dinner. And so one of the things I've decided to do and committed to do is to be a little bit better at making sure that the TV is turned off during dinner, that cell phones are put down and that we have an opportunity to just connect beneath the surface and talk to each other. According to the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University, your teenager is twice as likely, in fact, to get A's in school if your family is eating dinner together five to seven times per week. There's, there is a correlation between the mental, physical, and emotional, and even spiritual health of those that are a part of a family that eat together regularly. Research shows that sitting down together as a family to eat, to talk, and to share enhances emotional well-being and reduces depression. It's also encouraging to note that the higher the frequency of family meals, the higher the sense of connection among all family members. There it is. Research also shows that children develop better and healthier eating habits throughout their life if they consistently eat dinner together as a family at the kitchen table. So I can kind of summarize all these things through seven. Seven primary reasons that eating together is good and helps a family stay together. Number one is that eating together encourages, again, healthy eating habits. Number two, eating together can help prevent mental health disorders. Number three, eating together may prevent adulthood weight struggles. Number four, eating together can improve children's self-esteem. Number five, eating together can improve communication skills among those present. Number six, eating together may help kids with bullying. In fact, it's shown that most kids will experience some form of bullying, whether it's physical or cyber at some point in their lives. Having that connection, again, is just that bullying is one of those storms that those connections can help children to weather and to get through. And finally, number seven, eating together can supplement family therapy. It is good family therapy to get together and talk, talk about challenges and problems and issues. One of my family's kind of favorite television shows that we have watched for years is is a simple show called Blue Bloods. 
where it kind of tells a story of, of a family in New York that are, are all related to the criminal justice system. Most are cops. Uh, the, you have the PC that is over all uh, played by Tom Selleck. Just an incredible acting job. I just I love uh, watching, watching him and how we solve some of these complex issues and challenges that they have. But they all go out in the world and they have these very difficult life experiences. But the show always ends. In fact, you could also say it's it's very centered around this family coming together once a week on Sunday to have dinner together, to talk about their challenges, to talk about their struggles, to work through issues, to support each other and what they're going through. And I just love that that concept that it's portrayed even in the media that way. I just got to make sure I turn off that show while I'm watching t- while I'm uh, while I'm having dinner with my kids. So there you go. Um, I really believe that all of us can improve in that way and that we will see improvement in our families as we do it. The truth is that food just tastes better when you eat it with your family. And food is the ingredient that often binds us together. And I can testify of that firsthand. Because of Jace's pizzas, I will forever be bound to him. (laughs) My challenge for you this week, I'd like for you to consider, is to take a moment and take a look at your dinner table, your kitchen table. And ask yourself, is it being utilized in the best way possible? Is my family, are my family members gathering together uh, multiple times, I would say, during the week to share a meal together? In this fast-paced world of ours, can we slow down enough to bring back table fellowship and better help each other by better connecting to each other? Now, thanks for listening this week. This will be a great thing to focus on this week. And I would love to hear from any of you, even have you send some pictures to me of your family gathered around the kitchen table. I am excited to implement this in my own life and to make this more of an experience and the opportunity that it is to connect with my own daughters and with my family. And, uh, and I hope that you'll take that as well. I'll also have put together for you a little teaching guide that you can utilize to help your kids see the value of this and to commit as a family to improve in this area. Look for that in the show notes. Also, if you haven't had a chance to check out my Come Follow Me for Teens podcast, look for that. It is a great podcast for helping young people to better connect with God and and for you as parents to utilize in helping them to do that as well. You can find out where most podcasts are available. Again, that's Come Follow Me for Teens and for Parents of Teens, and it comes out every Sunday. That's about it, you guys. I hope you have a great week and you spend some quality time around that kitchen table. Remember, the family that eats together stays together. Until next time, I'm Josh Downs, and you've been listening to The Drive.